everybody, and welcome to another episode of Comics and Cinema. I'm your host, Alex Klein, and today I am talking about some great new sort of scary movies that I saw, along with a couple of extras. So um, let's get started. We'll jump right into it. So the first uh, first movie that I saw, which I actually saw on Monday, I saw it on Labor Day with uh, my brother and my cousin, was uh, Ready or Not. And uh, that movie was great. It was really um it was it, what's funny is it was exactly as I was expecting it to be, and I think the trailers gave a really good idea of what the movie was going to entail. And uh, for the sake of this discussion, I will advise I'll probably talk mild spoilers or, or spoilers at some point. I, I I know I end up doing that anyway. But um, the the story's about it's about a, a, a lady who get, is getting married into a family of. Uh, gamers essentially <laughs> except the old timey gamers the uh the board gamers and uh, they're just a super rich family and she finds out on her wedding night after she gets married that there's a ritual that they do when anyone new comes into the family or obviously you know is married into the family where they play a game and it's like at midnight they draw a card from this box and the card tells you what the game is going to be and so like one one person who was there she's like oh yeah mine was checkers like it's it's random so they and they're kind of looking at each other there's apparently one card the, all the cards are normal there's like you can play checkers chess uh, i'm imagining there's other games too um but there's one game hide and seek that you don't want to draw but uh what happens when you draw the hide and seek card is the person who's drawing it, the person coming into the family, has to go hide, and all of the other people in the family have to find her and kill her, and um, not necessarily kill her. I think it's more of uh, capture her and sacrifice her, uh, so that um, basically so that they can keep on living, so that the family can keep on living. And, and the backstory behind that is way back when the so the the guy is marrying this girl, his father's grandfather. Uh, or maybe even his great-grandfather, was like coming over on a boat to the United States and met this guy on the boat named Mr. LaBelle, who, if, if you're watching, even on the first scene in the movie, like, you know, it's basically the devil. And they, like, become really good friends on the boat, and they play card games together, and Mr. LaBelle ends up, like, taking a shine to this guy. And says to him, like, I will, if you, basically, like, if you can figure out this game, that they're playing some game or whatever, I'll finance any sort of endeavor that you want to do. And so he's like, oh, well, you know, I want to do games. and But that comes at a price, which is when anybody joins the family, they have to play this game. And like I said, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's hard. And obviously, since this is a movie, um, she draws the hard card. She draws the ready or not, well, not the ready or not card, but the hide and seek card. And it's cool because they, they play this... Uh, um, like a record on a record player when they start doing it and it's like ready or not like that. So you're like, Oh, that's, you know, that's probably why they called it that, that, and you know, ready or not here I come. But so this movie, uh, was directed by Matt, uh, Bettinelli Olpin and Tyler Gillett and then written by Guy Busick and Ryan Murphy. And I was wondering about that because in the film, when you're watching it, it uh and is this the same Ryan? oh no it's a different ryan murphy because it just was listed as r murphy and i was like "Ooh, is that uh the guy who does american horror story but no this looks to be a different uh ryan murphy stars samara weaving 
as she's the main character and she just she does a great job she's awesome i mean the movie was good i think the movie was great specifically because of her there are some other like not necessarily weird acting choices but in terms of just best performance hands down she knocked it out of the park she oh my god it's it was so good um surprisingly adam brody is in this movie who i couldn't place it while i was watching the movie but he was in the 10 if any of you have seen that movie it's a uh, it's an older movie uh, and when I say older, it's like 2010 or something like that, uh, 2007. But it's it's like one of my family's favorite movies. It's uh, this movie about uh, it's with Paul Rudd. It's it's like an A list of stars, but it's these ten. It's based off the Ten Commandments, and they're all they're all kind of uh, like a satire sort of thing. But uh, he was in that, and he was also in uh, Shazam recently. But he did a really good job. Her husband does a pretty good job too, Mark O'Brien, and then. Um, Andy McDowell is in this movie too, and you guys will probably recognize her from, she was in Groundhog Day, I think she was also in uh, Magic Mike XXL, yep, I'm, I'm seeing that right now, um, but yeah, overall, like I said, I really liked this movie, it was a, it was more of a suspense thriller than it was a, a straight up horror movie, um, and that's just because the entire movie is essentially her trying to live out the night and, and survive the night, and there's a lot of twists and turns during the movie, uh, I really enjoyed it. Like I said, I I'd been wanting to see it for a while, and I'd heard a lot of people talking about it and saying it was really good. And they were right; it, it's a really fun movie. Now, in terms of like being uh, shocking or there being any like holy cow, like th- there really wasn't a lot of that, and it doesn't make the movie bad. But by the end of the film, when I finished it, I was like, oh, okay, that was it. Okay, sounds good. Like uh, there wasn't anything where you know that I didn't. The tra- like I said, the trailer essentially tells you what happens in the movie. There's no real deviation from that. And then the ending, I think you guys are really going to enjoy the ending because the ending was just, you know, insane. And uh, it, it, But it ended on a perfect note, in my opinion. So I, I really liked that movie. I thought it was uh, a really good movie. Check that one out if it's still in theaters. I think I bet you it's probably got a couple weeks left in its run before it gets pushed out during all these fall releases. Uh, next up was uh, this one I didn't see in theaters, but uh, my wife and I watched Rocket Man, which is the uh, Elton John biopic that is riding on the coattails of the Freddie Mercury biopic, Bohemian Rhapsody. So this movie was directed by Dexter Fletcher, who also did Eddie. Oh no way! Wait a minute. Did he? He did. He did Bohemian Rhapsody too. I. I oh man! If so, I. Uh, I, I really liked Bohemian Rhapsody. I was a pretty big fan of that movie. Uh, no, he didn't. Okay, okay. Why does it say that he's a part of it? Um, I'm going to have to f- figure this out. Oh, okay, he produced it. He was an executive producer on Bohemian Rhapsody. So, yeah, I can easily see him sitting in the producer seat going, huh, I can probably direct my own movie. It looks like this movie made a ton of money, and I can probably do another biopic. Everybody loves Elton John and... He did Eddie the Eagle, so uh, he had the perfect pick with uh, Taron Egerton, and uh, Taron Egerton just knocked it out of the park, absolutely knocked it out of the park. And before I jump into that, it was written by uh, Lee Hall as well, but Taron Egerton, he played such a good uh, Elton John. I was not the biggest fan of Elton John growing up. My dad was. My dad was a huge fan, and my wife loves Elton John as well. So, like, I I loved a couple of his songs. They always remind me of, like, hanging out by the pool when I'm listening to them. 
but um, so like I didn't know anything about Elton John's past or anything like that. And this I thought was a really good movie if all of it was accurate. They did a really good job portraying the tough childhood that he had and the you know the unsupportive father and all that stuff. And it was it was kind of sad. But um, he meets a really great friend, Bernie Toppin, and that's played by Jamie Bell, who I probably remember most from Jumper. But he was also Ben Grimm in Fantastic Four, and he played Billy in Billy Elliot. That's pretty cool. So yeah, he's used to singing, and so is Taron Egerton. He does, man, he just does such a great job. And Richard Madden's in this movie as well as John Reed. Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard plays Sheila, uh, Elton John's mom. And then I feel like there's one other star, like a big named person that uh, was in this movie. I'm looking through, scrolling through here. It's not, but this was a, it was an interesting movie. It was not what I expected because I was expecting a, a complete knockoff of Bohemian Rhapsody. And to this movie's credit, it absolutely wasn't. Still a biopic about a guy who, um, you know, his passion was playing music and being a rock star. But this movie was actually more of a musical. And in that respect, I think this movie, and it's hard not to compare it to Bohemian because those movies are so close to each other. And um, I liked Bohemian better overall just because I'm a huge fan of Queen. But uh, in terms of like the fact that all of the, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a fine line. So Queen, the, if, correct me if I'm wrong, but Bohemian Rhapsody, none of those songs were re- sung for the movie they were just sort of lip synced by the characters and i'm sure there's probably some singing but as i'm watching it i was like wow these sound exactly like freddie mercury there's no way whereas in uh rocket man they are all hand sung i guess you could say by the cast and you can kind of tell so taron edgerton sounds a little bit different than elton john but he did a pretty good job of sound like of really pulling off that whole elton john vibe and it was cool because like i said it was more of a musical where all of a sudden, all of the characters would start singing. And I was like, oh, whoa, okay, all right. And uh, it was weird at first, but then I kind of grew into it, and I really liked that. But I think just overall in terms of, I mean, Rami Malek just, he knocked it out of the park playing Freddie Mercury, and Taron Edgerton did the exact same thing here with Elton John. Like, he, there were times that I forgot that it was Taron Edgerton for a long, brief, a long, like, stretch of time. I was like, wow, this is just, he really went all out going to be Elton and I thought that was great and even more so to this movie's credit I think it did a much better job dealing with uh the main character's sexuality than Bohemian did by by far knocked out of the park because that was one big complaint that a lot of people had with Bohemian was that it kind of put that on the wayside kind of put it in the background and I get it there's a lot of older audience members who love Queen but maybe didn't like that part of Freddie Mercury and I, I get that from the film's perspective or from a business perspective I don't agree with that from a creative perspective because you're essentially you know snuffing out that piece of uh, Freddie's life and in this case uh, they did it a lot better with uh, with Elton and they were a lot more not necessarily blatant with it but just uh, they really dove into it, I thought, a lot better than they did in, in uh, Bohemian. So, like I said, it's really hard to look at this movie and not compare it to Bohemian Rhapsody, but if you're, it's it's not a bad thing that we have both Bohemian Rhapsody and Rocketman to watch in, in our lifetimes. Uh, two movies about two really great rock stars, and uh, I would really recommend seeing that movie if you haven't, uh, but if you're not a fan of that sort of thing, you know, you're not missing anything by any means. It's literally the exact same story as Queen, where the, essentially, you know, the rise of uh, 
of a star. The only difference, obviously, is that Elton John's still alive and, and Freddie Mercury isn't. But, um, yeah, I, I really liked that movie, thought it was great. And uh, the next one is, uh, and this is a, a shout-out to my buddy Giuseppe. He, um, he gifted me a digital copy for Batman vs. Robin which is, uh, <clears throat> it's an animated, a DC animated movie. Uh, they've been doing those, uh, it's like the DC Universe original movie series, and there's been a lot of really great, uh, and him and I were actually talking about this, the, the DC movies, uh, these animated movies, it's not necessarily that they're hit and miss, it's just that they, they are, they know what they're trying to be, and they're not trying to be anything more than that. And for that reason, they're all essentially good. Like, they're all good movies, but none of them are amazing. Like, they're not like, oh, my God, you have to see this movie. You certainly don't. But um, but they're good nonetheless. Like, I loved Justice League War was a great one. I saw that one. Justice League Throne of Atlantis was great. I enjoyed that one. Um, Justice League The Flashpoint Paradox. But then there were other ones, and I, I saw there's some other ones, too, like uh, the Bat- Batman The Killing Joke. Uh, was a really good one, and they, they're not afraid to make these sort of, uh, uh, yeah, Batman the Killing Joke, actually, I didn't give that one that great of a rating, and if, as I'm remembering it, it was, I don't know, there was something about it that just, like I said, they're, 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 they're just eh, like most of them are eh, but this one I actually enjoyed, I, I thought this one was really good, and that's because this movie was set up to be, okay, this is a Batman versus Robin movie, and I was initially thinking, like, okay, well, how exciting is that? Like we've seen that before. I'm I like Batman, but honestly, I'm not the biggest Batman fan. I'm more of a fan of like Aquaman and the Flash, but I still respect Batman tremendously. And uh, but no, it ended up being one of my favorite Batman comic runs, which is uh, the Court of the Owls, and that's a really good one about the secret society that uh, um, it's the secret society that's apparently been running Gotham for like since the beginning of time, sort of thing. And they they all wear owl masks, and they like they kill indiscriminately, basically like to keep the peace, sort of thing, to keep the status quo. And Batman figures it out, and and so the whole movie is about the Court of Owls and the main character of the Court of Owls, Talon, uh, trying to recruit Robin because it's the the young a young Damian Wayne who doesn't necessarily agree with Batman's no killing rule, like don't kill anybody, which you know you should agree with. But Robin's a young kid, he you know he's he believes in justice but he i think he just uh, he gets the whole like oh you know you lock these people up they're gonna get out again sort of thing but uh so the movie is directed by jay oliva oliva and then uh written by it says written by bob kane because that's you know created by batman jm dematias it was written by and then obviously based on the, the court of the owls by uh, scott snyder and greg capullo the uh the dc dream team as it were but uh, what's interesting, too, is Kevin Conroy, who's the voice of Batman in the uh, Batman animated series, one of the old animated series, is, and he he plays Batman in almost everything. But in this movie, he played Thomas Thomas Wayne, Batman's father. And then Stuart Allen is the voice actor for Robin. And uh, who played the voice actor of Batman? Does it even say? Sean Mayer played Nightwing. Nightwing was in this and was pretty cool. Oh, Jason O'Mara played Batman. But like I said, I, I thought this was a good movie. I really enjoyed it. Um... It was, it was not like I said, not not on any sort of out of the park home run. But in terms of if you if you're needing a Batman fix, you could do a lot worse than this movie. Especially the fight scenes. The fight scenes in here were just spectacular, 
and they were prolonged too because these Court of the Owls, if, if you've read the comics, if you haven't, a lot of them are, are dead, like just dead zombies that have been reanimated so they can't really die so that's really hard to kill them when you're fighting them. And it was really cool to see Batman like throwing batarangs into their heads and, and you know snapping people's necks. I thought that was crazy. I'm like, oh man, that's Batman. But uh, it was cool. It was a good movie. I really enjoyed it. So again, shout out to Giuseppe. Thanks, man. I really appreciated it. Uh, but then we're gonna we're getting to, and I know I'm, I'm putting it down. I put it down as the episode's title, but we're getting to the main event here, which is the reason why this podcast is coming out today and not yesterday, and that's because I had the absolute pleasure of getting to see it chapter two in theaters in Dolby. Uh, with my my brother and my cousin, uh, we had both. My cousin and I had both asked our wives. We were like, "Hey, do you want to come see it?" And they're like, "Nope." And I was like, "Okay, all right, fair enough." Which is funny because as I was watching it, I was like, "Oh, you know, my wife would probably really like this." She's not a huge scary movie fan, but if the movie is really good, she likes it. And so I, this movie is one of those. I, I mean, the whole time I was watching this movie, I was just like, "Wow, wow, this movie is is good." And I'm gonna get into why because I think it's something that's important, and I know. Because uh, I just know that uh, Warner Brothers, and this is a Warner Brothers movie, right? I it, I always forget, but I'm pretty sure it is. Because oh no, 100% is because, and I'll talk about that too. But um, what I was gonna say is is uh, I I know Warner Brothers listens to this podcast of the the head of Warner Brothers, and uh, so I actually have some tips for the head of Warner Brothers for how to stay successful in this growing movie market by essentially not replicating but emulating what they've done in this movie it's that good um but yeah a a, a brief negative shout out to warner brothers i was under the impression that at the screenings of it chapter two that we would be getting a birds of prey teaser trailer i did not get a birds of prey teaser trailer i don't know if that's because it was in uh, dolby versus like a regular theater we did get to see the teaser trailer again for tenant which is the christopher nolan movie coming out next year and holy cow guys i mean the the trailer's like I don't know, 30 seconds, 40 seconds, and uh, you don't really know what's going on in the trailer, but it's it's Christopher Nolan. Like, what are, you, what are we doing with our lives? Like, we need to prepare. We need to get ready. Uh, but I was bombed. I was like, oh, and everyone on Twitter's like, oh, my God, everyone lost their minds when the Birds of Prey trailer come out. And I'm like, well, I want to lose my mind. Where's my trailer? I didn't get it. I think that maybe it was an after-credits thing because I didn't stay after the credits. Maybe that's when the trailer was. But... It wasn't. I was I was kind of bummed about that because it's not online. And that's how I knew it was a Warner Brothers movie is they're doing this, in my opinion, super cool thing, which is they're releasing certain teaser trailers before just their movies and they're not releasing them online, which I think is really cool, really exclusive sort of thing. It really it gives you it's an incentive to go see the movie. And honestly, if you've seen the first it, what more incentive do you need to go see this movie? Other than, you know, what I'm about to tell you, which is that this movie is just so, 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 so good. Um, So this movie was directed by Andy, uh, last name Muschietti. And I believe, yep, I was waiting for it. He directed it as well. And he directed Mama, which is a sleeper hit. If you guys have not seen Mama, check that movie out. I, I didn't see that in theaters when it came out during that time period. I think that's I was still... There was a time... Uh, I think it was right. It was either right after. It was right after I graduated high school. I 
I, I rarely watched scary movies. They had to be old ones, like black and white movies. I just, because I, I was so scared of stuff, and I still am. And there's a scene in this movie, and oh man, we'll get to it. I'm going to have to, I'm going to probably have to jot a few things down while I'm doing this just so that I, uh, you know, I don't forget to talk about them. But um, there was a time when I uh, was uh, scared of scary movies, and. Uh, so I didn't watch any, and then all of a sudden there was just it was like a, a light switch in my head, and um, my cousins and I and I we were like let's just let's watch some scary movies, and and uh, I started getting I guess you could say desensitized to them. I still love getting scared in scary movies. I, I love it. It's like an adrenaline rush, and I, you know sometimes I cover my eyes, but for the most part I don't think I covered my eyes once in this movie, but uh, it it. It was great, and uh, it was scary, and it, it more so scary than just overall a, like a great movie. This was like, I, I and I'm gonna have to rewatch Conjuring, but I would say it's probably up there with like Conjuring level scary movies, where there's just those movies where maybe they're not drop dead scary all the time. Like Sinister is up there as one of the best scary movies of all time, in my opinion, and that's because not only is it a good movie, but it's an incredibly scary movie. Like jump scares, uh, tremor scares, like build-up scares. There's so many scares in that movie, whereas some movies are only jump scares, and to me, those aren't good scary movies anymore because anyone can make a jump scare movie. If the content's good, you know, I'll enjoy it. It's not necessarily make it a bad movie, but in order to set yourself apart in the horror movie category or the scary movie category, you need to be able to take risks and you need to be able to do things that people necessarily aren't expecting. And I, I'll admit it right now, I haven't read it, the book. I never, I don't know if I'll ever will, or I haven't read any of Stephen King's books, really. And that's because I think my mom read a couple of them, and she always would tell me how scary they were. And I was like, nope, nope, I don't want that. But uh, partially, too, because that book's like a thousand pages. And, and I'm a big fan of when I start reading a book, being really happy that I'm reading something and never wanting it to end. And so I guess that would be a good book to read because it feels like it would never end. But uh, I just never, I've never gotten around to it. And, uh, but part of me in both of these movies wishes that these movies are like direct adaptions of the books. So like I said, I don't know if they are, let me know if they are, because I just, the way that I'm watching them, I was always every, both of them, the first one and this one, I'm like, Stephen King's a little twisted. He's a little quirky. He, uh, it's like, did he come up with the ideas for a lot of these monsters that are in the movie? Like, there's and it it won't be a spoiler because I'm not gonna you know go into detail but like there's a severed head that sprouts all of these like tentacled spider arms and is like chasing the kids or the the adults and um, there's like another one where these th- things and I'm not gonna describe it because it uh, and especially since it's opening weekend I really don't want to go into spoilers but um, there's a scene where these little little creatures are are hatching. And they're like the weirdest creatures. Like one of them's like just a creepy eye. And the other one is like a screaming baby head. And just like stuff that I, it's, and that's why I was like, is this Stephen King? Is this Warner Brothers doing this? Is this like a new thing? Is this the director? Because this is awesome. I kept getting vibes that reminded me of like David Cronenberg movie, like Cronenberg movies. And also a couple times some Suspiria vibes as well from the old Suspiria movie. Uh, just in terms of the, just this out there aesthetic of like, 
this is just weird and it they were going for it like everything about this movie and about these two movies despite what you say about the movie like i know there's some people like my brother does not like the first movie because it's he doesn't like kids in that in that sort of setting like good boys um and and yada 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 but uh in terms of the movie going for it, I was really impressed with both of them. Like, you can't say that Warner Brothers didn't take risks in either of these movies by making, like, announcing, oh, this movie's going to be two hours and 49 minutes long. It's like, wow, that's a really long movie. I'll tell you this much, did not feel that long. And by the end of it, I was really kind of bummed that it was over. I was wishing there would be more. And uh, so there's just, the risks that were taken in this movie, I think, paid off, which, in my opinion... And it says here, Gary Dauberman did the screenplay, but it's based on the novel by Stephen King. And he also did the screenplay for It, The Nun, Annabelle, Annabelle, uh, Retur- Annabelle Creation. Oh, that's Annabelle, Annabelle coming, the, the third one. Third Annabelle. Oh, he created Swamp Thing? That's crazy. And uh, the first Annabelle he wrote, the Swamp Devil. Man, he's, uh, okay, so maybe he, maybe? Maybe because uh, I, I don't know because it's based off of Stephen King's book and I haven't read it, but just the movie justifies its runtime. And so if you've had if you've read the book again, I apologize that I haven't. But um, the movie is about the the losers club from the first movie. Those kids, they have now grown up. It's 27 years later, which honestly felt I guess that's what happens in the book. It was every 27 years. But to me, I think they, they had it where it was like 27 years puts them at uh, 2018, right? No, or 20, 2015. Cause I think, or no, 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 2016. Cause it was 1989 and then 27 years later. So it's 2016. Why wouldn't it have just been 2019? Uh, like, cause it's 2019 now again, doesn't matter that it's never, it doesn't really ever come up and they're in Derry, which is like a really old town. Doesn't matter. But, um, it starts out with, uh, the, um, here and I'll, I'm actually going to just go through the actors. So it's, uh, Beverly, the, the only female of the group, is played by Jessica Chastain, knocks it out of the park, absolutely kills it, and and I'm a huge, I'm looking at my IMDb thing right now, and thank God they have this, they do this thing where you can press a heart next to each uh, actor for the ones that you love, like the actors you love, I've got three ones in here already, I've got Jessica Chastain, James McAvoy as Bill, and then Bill Hader as Richie, honestly guys, just go see this movie alone for Bill Hader. He was so good, but so was James McAvoy. So was Jessica Chastain. And so was James uh, Ransone, who played Eddie. He also was the uh, the deputy in both of the Sinister movies, which I didn't get until after the movie when I checked. It's, sometimes that stuff spaces me where I'm like, ah, oh, where have I seen this guy before? Jay Ryan plays Ben, who was the, uh, the overweight kid in the first movie. He is now uh, buffed up, lost weight, and then uh, Mike Hanlon is played by Isaiah Mustafa. And so uh, Mike stayed in Derry. He stayed in the town. Oh, and then uh, Stanley is played by Andy Bean. And then obviously you've got Bill Skarsgård as Pennywise. And then all of the kids uh, reprise their roles because there's a lot of extra story with the kids. So if you were a fan of the first movie with the, the stories about the kids, you'll enjoy that. There's a lot more. They dive into that in a lot more depth because the whole point of the movie is about memory. Is about um, It's essentially about perception. And that's a really that was really cool because it plays into the ending, and there, it's a really cool theme about like what do you what do you remember what do you think about who you are sort of thing, 
And uh, so Mike is he's he's been in Derry, and all of a sudden the the killings resume, much like you know we all predicted and we knew from the trailers. And so he calls all of them and says like, "Hey, you need to come in. Like we made an oath. We need you. We need to fight it." And so they all come in, and um, he makes a, they make a plan basically. And it's weird because it's a really uh, like the story itself is very short in terms of like the the plan is get the group back together. The group has to uh, get these totems. Um, so basically, Mike's got this idea in his head of uh, how to defeat it, and it's based on these like Native Americans that he went and visited somewhere like in the forest by his town, and uh, um. And part of the ritual to like they they basically defeated it or something tried to in the past. And part of the ritual is like each person who's fighting it, whatever. It, it, you have to suspend your belief a little bit in this movie because, like I said, it's a really out there, wild ride. So you've got it. You have to like you can't be looking for does this make sense or not because there's certain things that just don't because it's supernatural. And uh, but they all have to find a totem of like basically some sort of physical memory from when they were young because the whole the whole story is no one remembered their childhood in in Derry and the reason for it Mike explains and, and again I'm trying to avoid spoilers this is all in the very beginning of the movie like the first 20 minutes of the movie basically but all it's like the farther away you move you when you leave Derry and th- since they've all been quote unquote in- infected by it since they were all you know fighting it their memories become hazier and hazier as they, the further away they are. And then when they're back in Derry, everything kind of rushes back to them, but they're like, Oh my God, this is crazy. Yada, yada, yada. And, uh, so Mike's like, you guys have to all on your own, go find like your totem. Like, what is it that there's, there's some sort of object out there that is, is going to bring back memories for you sort of thing. And we all have to have one of those to defeat it. And it, it's way more intricate than that. I'm just trying to give you an overview of it. But so the movie essentially is them getting gathered together. And then the middle piece of the movie is each of them going out on their own to essentially relive their memories. And so they're really cool because they, it's like it, you can see the formula and it's just such a cool formula. So each character has, has like a scary thing with it in the present and then a scary thing in the past, which links together with their totem. And it's, it's super cool. So, like, you get to follow, like, Jessica Chastain's character, and you get to see her young and then her in her current age, and then the same with, you know, the next character and the next character. And then they all obviously gather to fight it at the end. Do they defeat it? You know, that's a, that's a good question. You might have to go see that movie to find out because it it uh, it is very hard to kill. He's a he's very hard to kill. And, uh, but it, it was so good. It was just such a good movie. The whole time I'm watching it, I just thought, wow, this is, this is how you do a horror movie. And, um, oh, and what I wanted to point out a little earlier was when I said, I, I, I am a scaredy cat. I will admit it. I'll openly admit it. I'm not afraid. I'm not, well, I am afraid. I'm always afraid, I'm afraid of a lot of things, but, um, I just, I'm very jumpy. And, uh, it's funny because man, when I'm at work, like I'll go to talk to people and, uh, part, part, part parts of work are in like a cubicle setting. And so I like walk behind someone and be like, Hey, I I'd like a quick question. And then every time I've, it's happened to me now three times in the last week, they go, ah, Oh my God. Like you scared me. Like, I, I guess I sneak up on people, which is funny because I, I don't get scared when people do that, but I get scared at things that 
absolutely. If I see a shadow on the wall and I'm in the right mood, like I'll lose my mind. I'll be like, oh, oh my God. Uh, there's a famous story and I'll share this with you guys. Um, this is a this is a comics and cinema first. This is a, a, a peek into the life of Alex and uh, peek into the life of your host. Uh, when I was in college, I stayed, I, I stayed in a house with my brother and uh, uh, I had my own room. It was just a very small room. I had a twin bed in that room. And so what I would do oftentimes at night, like, and, and this was during, uh, this was during this, it was like right after we had finished the semester. It was like, so we weren't, they didn't have anything to do. So it was like a late night staying up sort of thing. And so typically what I would do is like either play some video games or watch a movie and then go to sleep. And I'm like, I'm sitting in bed and I, it was when I was working at a sushi restaurant. And if you guys know me at all, I love sushi. I'm actually going to go get, get a little bit of sushi today, but, uh, I love sushi and I, I got a job. I was lucky enough to get a job at a sushi restaurant. And I, I mean that with all my heart. I was so lucky because I, I respect that culture so much. Like I, the, the, I, every day when I was at work, I would watch them make sushi. Like I would watch the sushi chef as much as I could to try and learn how to make it. But I was, I was just a server. And, uh, but because of that, I got a lot of, uh, like discounted sushi and, and free sushi. And so I ate a lot of sushi. And as you can imagine, I got sick a lot and I was, everyone kind of joked it with me at the time. I, I have sort of an iron stomach, but that's because of my years in college. I ate really poorly and uh, that's just because I, I, I like saving money, but, um, I mean, I mean, I was famous for like making bean sandwiches and, uh, you know, obviously ramen and stuff, but so it was a time period when I had eaten a lot of really good sushi and I was, I was in bed and I was, I was going like, uh, like I, I wasn't feeling well. I was, I was not feeling good. Uh, so it's possible I was hallucinating. I have no idea, but it was, it was dark. And Stevie, my brother will tell you, I, he, he just hears me scream like, ah! And, and Stevie like comes into my room, like what's going on? What's, what's, what's up? What is going on? And I was like, I was like, there's a little, there was a little boy at the foot of my bed. Like it looked like a little boy in, um, like old timey, like button up, uh, black and white shirt with a Chubbs hat, uh, like really creepy Victorian type boy. And obviously wasn't there. It's probably was in my head, but that's just one example of me losing my mind over nothing due to we like dumb circumstances. Like, I mean, there's, there's just times where if someone like raises their voice a little bit and I'm, I'm kind of zoned out, I'll scream. Like I'll scream like, ah, like, uh, when people sneeze, my, uh, my family is a family of really loud sneezers. And so whenever they sneeze, I scream just because I just like, I can't put my man can't process it. And there's a really, 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 and this is a really long explanation, but there's a really funny scene that my brother and cousin, we were laughing so hard at in the movie where, uh, what's his name? Is it Eddie? The, uh, the kid who, uh, has the inhaler. Yeah. Eddie, uh, played by James, uh, Ransone. But when he's young, he's played by the kid from Shazam, who I actually love that kid. I think he's really funny. His name is Jack Dylan Grazer. And there's just this scene where he's walking, he's like walking around in the house and it's, it's from the past, but he bumps into a box. He just bumps into the box and goes, ah, and like screams so loud from bumping into the box. And we all laughed so loud. Cause it was like, that's Alex, like screaming at absolutely nothing and screaming so loud because of it. Um, 
so yeah, nonetheless, like I said, there's multiple scenes in this movie where I'm, I'm, I was just like, hell yeah. What, what was surprising too was when the movie ended, there were cheers. People were clapping in the audience, and obviously, my my we my brother didn't like, like my family didn't like that. They were like, oh my god, why are you clapping for the, you know, in the movie? But uh, I, I thought it was warranted for sure. I, like I said. It's rare these days that you get a horror movie like this, a sequel that's actually good, and in my opinion, better than the original, but not only that, it's almost three hours long, it doesn't feel like three hours, and the scares, for the most part, are, are uh, they're fresh, like these, these weird body horror type creatures, and like, okay, for example, and this isn't a spoiler, this is an anticipation thing, um... Oh, and I, yeah, and I won't even spoil it because I, I I was actually shocked when this happened. So the the scene in the trailers when Jessica Chastain goes back to her old house and that creepy woman is like walking around naked in the kitchen and ends like, um, are you daddy's little girl? And like, thum thum thum, and you see in the trailer her like the lower half of her naked body running at Jessica Chast, excuse me, whoo, running at Jessica Chastain. Um, all I'll say is. That scene is not what it seems in the movie, and uh, you're gonna be glad for that because that is it. Just one example of where I was like, "Holy, what, wow, wow!" Like they chose that as the monster. Holy crap! Like, great job. So, like I said, um, I know we're going, we're going, um, we're going a little long, but I want to apologize to the president and CEO of Warner Brothers. Uh, for that, I know you're a busy man, and uh, but I do appreciate you hanging in there to uh, listen all the way to the end of this. So um, I just want to advise you, make more movies like this one. Um, obviously not knockoffs, not direct copies, but ta- please take risks in your scary movies. These days, the scary movies are so, most of them are so bland. Like I'm thinking off the top of my head, Curse of La Llorona, Annabelle, uh, all these movies are like a, a three-act jump-scare scary movies, whereas this movie was so much more. It was like messing with your head, uh, things about memories, and just creepy situations that were really... I mean, th- this day and age, people know that jump-scares are scary, but what they forget is how scary suspense can be. And this movie had that in spades for sure. So thank you for doing that, Warner Brothers. And please, please, please continue to do that. Uh, Please make more movies that are are like that, where the suspense is scary and we're on the edge of our seat. And movies where you're not afraid to add an extra 30 minutes or in this case, like an hour to the runtime of the movie to give the story that much more emotional weight and, and character building and character development. I mean, the fact... I'll say this, all of the characters were perfectly casted, uh, the adult characters for their kids, and there are just so, like, if you're thinking, oh man, I really hope that they they do, like, flashbacks of when they were kids, or they, they sync things up to, like, when they were, were young, how this affected them when they were older, they do that all the time in this movie, like, way more than we deserve, way more than I thought, so my final thought on this film is, go see it, 
go see it chapter two because you won't be disappointed especially if you saw the first movie and enjoyed it um so yeah that's where that's why i'll leave you guys i know real briefly i think it said it got 10 million in previews and they're expecting it to get like 105 million for the weekend it's not surprising to me i i think based on my my theater i when i got there it was really packed everyone in the line was asking to go see it and uh, my whole theater, my theater was full, but based on these 10 million, 10 million on Thursday night, uh, which I saw in Box Office Mojo, was more than what Logan made, but less than Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman made 11 million opening night. Uh, Logan made 9.5 million. This made 10.5 million. It Chapter One, I think, made like 13. So it's a little less than the first, but that's still really impressive when you look at all those movies and what they did. It made 700 million worldwide. So I wouldn't be surprised if this movie catches up to that or at least gets close. I mean, at the end of the day, we need we need this to be a win for horror, the horror genre. We need this to be a win because if the if not, then the studio is going to get the message that people don't like this sort of thing. And if that's the message, that's the message. I mean, natural selection is super important in movies because if no one wants to see it, no one wants to see it. That's fine. It's, it's, it's a money thing, but I do. I know I do. And based on the previews and based on my theater, there's a lot of other people that do too. I mean, there were unfortunately people talking in our movie, but I think part of that was because they were so scared. And, uh, so yeah, like I said, go see, go see this, check it out and check out ready or not too. So that's gonna, um, as we wrap up, that's going to do it for me. I'm your host, Alex Klein. This is comics and cinema. Thanks so much for listening. And I'll talk to you guys soon.